You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. With that, I'm going to invite my friend, Richard Goddard, up here. Richard is, uh, he works at Wellspring Ministries. It's just kind of like a Santa Cruz Bible reunion Sunday, because Paul Sampson was at Santa Cruz Bible for years, and Richard was at Santa Cruz Bible. Richard now works at Wellspring Ministries, and he is now the director of Soul Care Next, which helps people, pastors like me who went through it, to have ways of uh, continually sustaining life and faith and practice in their own lives. So he really believes in that. And so I uh, appreciate Richard. Come on up. You get yourself set and let me pray for you as we get going here this morning. God, thank you for uh, the ministry that you have given Richard and what he is doing to for ministry leaders here in the Bay Area to help them keep going. The most recent statistic from Barna Research is saying that now 42% of pastors want to quit are looking actively for a way to quit. Now, thankfully, I'm not one of those, but God, there are many out there. And so I thank you and I pray a blessing even over him as he speaks to us today, that you would help further the cause of what it is that he and his team at Wellspring are trying to do. Thank you that he's come to give us a message from your precious word this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You got it, bud. Thank you. Good morning. Well, that was... Uh, we'll just we'll go with that. Um, why don't you go ahead and stand though? We're going to read this passage together. If you have your Bible uh, from the or from the pew, or you want to just read it off the screen, uh, but we're going to read this. Uh, I'm going to read it out loud, and at the end, I'm going to do a little uh, thing where I say, "This is the word of the Lord," and you can just say, "Thanks be to God," or you could just look at me. You can do whatever you want. All right, here are the verses that we're looking at this morning. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. You know, there's a phrase that I'm sure everyone in this room has heard, maybe saw on a bumper sticker years ago, you've heard people say it, maybe yourself have said it. It's really two words and it expresses a life philosophy, that a way of, a way of making sense of or not making sense of events, circumstances, good or bad that happen to us, other people, how the world operates. It's, it's really two words that summarize a whole lot of other thoughts in them. And I'll just paraphrase because the first word we can't say in church. And it is stuff happens. <laughs> stuff happens. You know what the first word is. There's other ways of expressing this. If you want to say it in French, it's really kind of a pretty way of saying something like this. C'est la vie, which means what? Such is life. This is life. Hey, life. 
Life happens. Things happen. Now, really, if you want to get into that at a philosophical level, what that's really kind of trying to say or expressing is a somewhat fatalistic view of how the world is. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why does things happen at all the way they happen? It's like, hey, it's life. It's, it's sort of a random chance of how things occur, where you are born, the family you are raised in, the circumstances that happen to you, where you happen to be. You happen to be in that house when the tornado hit, and it was left uh, spared, and the one across the street went you know, flying off into the sunset. Why? Hey, life happens. Stuff happens. It's just random chance. There's a lot of people that, whether consciously or not, walk around with that as their kind of basic life philosophy. Another way of expressing a view of how life works or why life works the way it is, is, is you know, people, especially it's a pretty popular one in Santa, Santa Cruz, would be well, some sort of karma. Whether you use that term or not, it really is this idea that some impersonal force like the universe causes, you know, if you do bad things and put bad energy out into the world and into the universe, then eventually that bad energy and bad things will happen to you versus if you do good things and and are a nice person and and try and be a good person, then, you know, eventually good things will happen back to you, kind of karma. A lot of people, whether they have a very articulated view of that philosophy, kind of live in that way. Well, we just read a life philosophy in Romans 8.28. It's a way of understanding the world or sometimes not fully understanding the world, but making sense of the world. And and it's interesting that we this is like one of those verses If people are going to quote it or write it on their tennis shoes or they're going to make a bumper sticker or they just say some version of it. It's interesting. I just heard a a person giving a talk just yesterday. It was on the radio and a a guy was doing an NPR moth radio hour. The guy was talking about a very difficult circumstance that happened to him. And he said, you know, it was he was held up at gunpoint and it was really scary and all of that. And he said, you know, people say this phrase, everything happens for a reason. And he said, I reject that. He said, I don't know why things happen, but, but he said, I do believe this, that we have to, we have to find a reason for the things or make a reason for the things that happen to us, which is an another way to come at it. Like that the idea that there isn't necessarily a, a, a reason, but we have to make up our own. That's sort of a self-deterministic kind of worldview. But it's interesting, this verse, this Romans 8, 28 verse, that many of us have heard many, many times, right? You've heard this verse. It's not new. But it, it, expresses, it expresses something that we maybe need to think about a little more deeply. And I, I don't want to step on any toes here this morning, but I would suggest that a lot of people that actually say those words... Say it in almost the same vein that people say things like everything, everything happens for a reason, that we're actually saying words without actually really thinking about them. We just say, you know, hey, causes work together for good. And like, what do you mean by that? I don't know. But it seemed like the right thing to say because it's in the Bible. So that we say it without thinking a lot about it or we, we don't know what we mean when we say it. So I want to actually come back to the context, which I know you've been looking at in Romans 8 here for a little bit, but the context of Romans 8, especially the verses preceding this one, well, you'll see the theme. It's starting back uh, a little earlier. If you go to the next slide, it says, 
I consider that our present, that's the word, that's the context. Our present, would you say that word with me? Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. But he's talking about suffering. And then he goes on to talk about the world itself we live and the difficulties with which we experience this world. We know the whole creation has been this, again, say this word with me, groaning out loud. Let's try it again. The whole creation has been groaning. And that's a word that almost sounds like what it feels like, groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, which I've not experienced, but I've watched it three times and I don't want to do it. And I'm not going to have to. That's really, praise be to God. Uh, but as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, not only so, so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So we've got the Spirit of God taking up residence in us. And yet we also, what's that word? Yeah, and you said it like you meant it. You're groaning as you say it. Thank you. Groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Do you see this incredible contrast of, on the one hand, there's this groaning and pain and just hard, hard things that you're experiencing. And then, and then it uses these really lofty, unimaginably great words. Adoption, the redemption of our bodies. That we have the first fruits of the Spirit. I mean, these, are, these seem almost ethereal concepts that are un- contrasted with pain, groaning, longing, hurt, hard things. And that's intentional. Go ahead, if you would. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Groaning, weakness, can't do it don't have the strength for it. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, there it is again, groans. This verse, by the way, right here, is incredibly comforting to me. Because have you ever experienced a time when you don't know even what to pray or how to pray for someone? I know if you've been around church a while, it's one of the things that we, you know, when someone says something hard or something they're going through, something that's difficult in their life, and we know by training or by osmosis in church for a while what we are supposed to say, and we say, I will pray for you. And yet sometimes we go, what what should I pray? What do I say? What do I pray? And and here's the great news. the, The great apostle Paul, Saint Paul says, I don't always even know what to pray. And, and frankly, if I'm honest, the content of my prayers can often be uh, kind of self-serving, right? I mean, I, I pray things like, I want my difficulties to be less difficult. I want my happiness to be even happier. I want to walk through life in a kind of sunshine bubble, if possible, and be well-liked and universally admired, or something like that. I mean, is it, anybody else? Yeah? And, and if I get to talk to God about it, I'm going to ask for it. And yet, and yet, God knows better what to even give me, and he knows even how to trans. This is what I love. The Spirit himself translates even my self-serving, self-directed, selfish prayer sometimes into actually what God wants the Spirit to take those prayers and bring them before the Father and Son and intercede for me. That's an incredible thought. 
But, but sometimes, too, we don't even know what to say. Someone says a difficult, painful thing that they're experiencing, and we say, I don't even... Because here's the thing. You know, sometimes the best thing we can say is nothing. Or I, I don't know how exactly to pray for you, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that, you, that God will do what is best for you in that situation and bring our desires before God and trust that the Spirit, the Spirit himself will, will take those prayers, those longings, those, those groanings, and, and translate those before God with exactly the kind of prayer that, that needs to be prayed. Oh, isn't that a relief? That's, that's good news that's happening there. And, and so, and we know, then we get, so we've, what, this, this, this section has been about what? Groaning, weakness, suffering, difficulty. That's the context that we get to this really well-known kind of famous verse. And there it is. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So God works for the good. Now, I want to actually kind of pause there because I want to make a couple observations. First of all, what does this verse not say? And then what actually I think it is saying. So first of all, what does this verse not mean? It does not mean that bad things are actually good things in strange disguise. Because sometimes it's almost like, I mean, honestly, if you hear, we can get a little mindless, I guess I would say about this. There are going to be times when something that we feel is bad occurs to us and it will turn out to be a good thing in the end. Like you were dating this one person before you met the person that is now your spouse. And you, it seemed really bad when that relationship came to an end. But now, in hindsight, you look back and go, no, that breaking up, which seemed like a bad thing, actually was a really good thing. Yay. That happens, of course, sometimes. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, sometimes the cloud does not have a silver lining. Sometimes it's just dark all the way through. And it's okay, and in fact, even important for us to say that from our perspective, sometimes things we do not understand, and we don't need to pretend that a bad thing is a good thing instead. A car accident, a sickness, a significant loss, sometimes it's just hard, it's bad, and we don't see how or in what way good could come of it. And I think it's important to just acknowledge that sometimes and say it, and just sit in that. And, be, and, and not try and kind of, well, let's keep going. And because what that, if, if, it's, if bad things are really just good things in a strange disguise, then, then that takes away this. Then, but I shouldn't grieve, mourn, lament, or even get angry about difficult realities, right? I mean, I would call this forced over-spiritualized optimism. Forced over-spiritualized optimism. And I'm guessing you've been on the receiving end of this sometime in your life and you did not like it. Like, oh, your cat died, which that might not be a sad thing, but you're, you, uh, I know, I know, I know. And you're like, wait a minute, cats are people too. No, they're not. They're, they're from the devil. But uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, your cat died, you lost your job, your car broke down. Cheer up, friend. Turn that frown upside down. All things are good. 
God's going God's to bring great out of that good thing. So, and, and don't you just want to hug them and squeeze that nonsense right out of them? Because that's what they really need right then. Scripture is full of examples. Did you know that Scripture actually commands us to grieve, lament, and mourn? And it's funny, we, it, it's like we've repainted Jesus sometimes into some sort of, um, you know, positive thinker or something like that. Except he's also called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So pain is part of the human condition, and ignoring it, minimizing it, pretending it, it denies reality, and it can actually be really, really off-putting and, and actually make it seem like we're not even living in the real world. Yes, God is still good. He is still good. And we can live into the fullness of our experience, which includes sadness, grief, and mourning, especially this side of eternity. And we can also have hope. But hope doesn't deny reality. It embraces it and it sees through it in ways that we can't even fully comprehend. But sadness, grief, even anger. You know, I've sat with so many people over the years as a pastor and they talk about their, their hurt and their pain and they talk about, I don't know, um, you know, and I, I don't know what to do with this and God, why did God let this happen if God's in charge? And, I, and I'll say something like, well, um, I said, sounds like you're kind of mad at God. And then people will say, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't, that's not, not, not mad at God. And I'm like, why? Well, because I can't, because God's perfect. So if there's somebody wrong in this situation, it's me. And so if I say I'm mad at him, then, hey, you know, I'm going to be, you know, and that's going to be bad. And, and so, no. And I'm like, well, first of all, have you read the Psalms? Uh, there's times when people cry out to God in anger and frustration and don't know or, or Job or other places. And, and, and the other thing, which is really even more interesting, is if, if you actually are angry with God, do you think he might already know that? Like if you tell God, I'm angry with you, and they go, I, I had no idea. I have offended Richard, and we must correct that immediately. I mean, like, no, I mean, right? He knows. So this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, bring everything to God, because he already knows, and that means it's free. It's, I'm free to come and then have a conversation with God about it. But so I should, yes, I should. And then it also doesn't mean a third thing, and that is that I should always be able to understand the why or how of difficult circumstances. There's just so much we don't know and maybe won't know until we are with Jesus face to face. And I want to give you a personal example example of that. My father and I had um, what I like to say is a complicated relationship. I admired so much about my father's life for many, many years. And my dad actually gave up an engineering job when I was in middle and high school to go to seminary and then went into ministry. And then he had an affair and then he had got back into ministry and then he had another affair. And there were a lot of things, and there was, there was some, recon, some measure of reconciliation and healing in that, and yet there, was, there were missing places in that, and it was really, really hard. And yet, I, you know, we, we would kind of have some conversations, and I would do what I could, I thought, to have those conversations to get to something deeper, and then it would seem like we'd get stuck. And, and uh, you know, I thought I had time. He was 75. He was still working full-time. He, he okay health, but it like the thing seemed imminent. And then one day I get a call from my mom. Your dad, your dad's been having this sort of 
dizziness and other strange things going on. And it goes to the doctor. Turns out he had multiple untreatable brain tumors. And he went into the hospital and they did a biopsy and they said there was nothing they could do. And three months later he was gone and I was not able to have one more conversation with him because he just wasn't there anymore. Not really. And, and I know, I do believe, I have hope that one day my dad and I will meet one another again in eternity with Jesus. And I know that we will be the best versions of ourselves, both of us. I trust that. And whatever, whatever tears need to be wiped away, whatever pain needs to be resolved, whatever it will, it will be. I trust that. I do believe that. But that doesn't mean this side of eternity, it, it doesn't hurt. And it, does, it doesn't mean that I understand why. Why did it happen this way at this time to my dad or me or our family? Or I, I don't. I don't. No. And can I say, well, God, so it, frankly, if someone would have walked up to me the day after my dad was diagnosed with multiple brain tumors and said, hey, Richard, by the way, God works all things for the good. That wouldn't have been the right thing to say at that time. Is it true? Sure. But would that have been helpful? Probably not. Now, again, so you're saying, so we should ignore this verse? No, not at all. I just want to offer that I'd submit we need to be really careful with how we offer why this happened explanations to people. Just be really, in fact, I, generally speaking, I would encourage us not to. Because we're not God. And a lot of times we just don't know. I heard people say things like, you know, hey, the pandemic happened because God was judging people. I, it's possible, but there's no, nothing, you can't point to scripture that says that. Not accurately, anyway. Uh, you, you can't. You know, when people say things like, well, the reason you got sick was so that, or you lost your job because, again, we're not God. And so a lot of times we, I just, we submit ourselves to mystery and also sovereign care and divine love. So we don't know, but the good news is we don't have to know. I know that is probably one of the most fundamental, difficult human problems is to ask the question, why? And get around a two-year-old and they'll keep coming. But they, we don't grow out of that. We just learn to kind of be quiet. It's natural to ask why, but God doesn't always give an answer. I mean, if you go to Job, for example, I mean, all, Job keeps asking why, 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 why throughout the book. And then God shows up at the end of the book. And does he give Job an answer? Why? No. He just says, who? And it's me being God, not Job. So perhaps better to say, I don't know why it happened. I am sorry for your pain and the hurt. And can I, can I be with you? And can I be with you in God's presence? Can I just be with you? So it doesn't mean those things. Well, what does it mean? I, I know it means at least a couple things and probably lots more that you could think of. But one is it means that God is always, always at work. Just think about that. God is not an absentee landlord. A, a deist, if you will, uh, philosophy is that there is a, 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 a divine presence, God, a creator, uh, who set things in motion. The argument is, uh, is a, a kind of a divine clockmaker. He winds the clock, sets it in motion, go, have a good time. And there was a song a few years ago, this will date me, but Bette Midler had a song a few years ago called God is Watching Us from a Distance. You remember that? 
Probably not. But I didn't find any comfort in that song. And I don't know if other people did, but I'm like, that doesn't give me a lot of hope. Oh, God's like, well, look. And if you look far enough away, you know, you get out into space, our world looks all right. You get up really close, it starts to look really messy. I don't want a God that watches from a distance. I want one that is involved from in, in the very details of my life. And I, I want to know, I mean, not just I want that, but I, I'm trusting that that God actually exists. God is at work. He's present, active, and in the midst of. There's two big theological words. One is transcendence. God is over and above all things. He is, he is all-powerful, and he, and he works things for his purposes. And yet, imminent, present, imminence is God is present in the midst of. He is, he is, he is in fact, as one, one theologian said, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Oh, that is, there's comfort there. God is at work, but... He's also apparently not in a hurry. Uh, There is truth in, it is true that God is inevitably and certainly moving all of history towards his purposes, but he does not seem to be in a hurry to do so. And it's so funny when we try and figure things out, this is where Christians really get in trouble. Remember Y2K? That feels like forever ago, 22 years ago, in fact. And everybody was saying, well, this is it. This is when Jesus is coming back. It's probably going to be in... Just we, I just every time that happens, don't we just? Or it's this. This means, or who's the antichrist? It must be that person. We're always wrong. <laughs> I mean, so far, I guess if you just keep picking things, eventually you might be right. But no, we're wrong, and so don't, just don't. We God is not in a hurry, but more personally, God is always working. Not just out there, God is working in and on us. That's the part I can do something about or with. This next verse is really clear. Those that God foreknew, he also predestined uh, to be conformed to the image of his son. If you want to know what God's purposes in your life are, this is like number one. God wants to conform, and there's this sumorpho word in the Greek language. It's to, it's, it's to shape. It's a reshaping process to be conforming us to the image of his son. The image right there is of the Pieta, which is uh, Michael, one of Michelangelo's most famous sculptures. It's an image of Mary holding Jesus' body after the crucifixion. It is an incredible sculpture. We had the privilege a few years ago on our anniversary uh, trip, and this is in the, actually in St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican. We got to see it. It's now behind glass because someone tried to destroy it a few years ago, which is kind of crazy. But, um, but we got to see it, and it is amazing to see. It. it was carved from a single block of marble by Michelangelo. And why I put it up there is because Michelangelo famously said this about it. He said, One, he said, I saw this image in the marble before I ever did anything. And all I did was chip away at that which was not this image. I wanted to free this image from the marble. You know that God is, you were recreated in Jesus to reflect him at the deepest part of your being. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your trust at the deepest part of you are, you've been made new. And that image is of Jesus in you is getting to sort of keep springing forth. And God, through circumstances and your cooperation and participation with him, he keeps chipping away at everything that isn't that. that, That's kind of a cool way of thinking about it. God is at work to bring us into 
more, uh, the experience of being more like Jesus. God is able to make use of anything. That is this passage. He's able to make use of anything and everything, even and especially painful, difficult, unfair, hard things. And how do I know that? How do I, how do I know that? Because we just look at the cross. We look at Jesus because the most unfair, most unjust, most cruel and awful thing that has ever been perpetrated on any human being in the history of our sad planet was done to Jesus. And the very best thing that could ever happen to human beings happened out of that. God is able to take the very worst thing and bring out the very best thing. And the cross tells us that. So I want to give you a simple little tool to, that might be a different for you, but I want to a friend, uh, introduce this little prayer to, to my wife and I a number of years ago. And recently, I've just sort of been re falling in love with this prayer. It's from a, a man named uh, Father Thomas Keating. And I want to just walk you through it for a moment. It's real simple, but it's kind of profound. It's a way of, of entering into a life in a different way. So it's, it's a, called the welcome prayer. And here's what it is. It says, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's from my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Now, if you're like me, you hear that, you go, wait a minute, wait, time out. I don't want affection, esteem. I shouldn't want any of the things. No, that's not actually what it's saying. It's saying I release. And so desire, maybe you could, another word would be, you could change with that would be demand. I demand to have affection, esteem. I demand to have things work the way I want. This isn't even, in a sense, talking about the world out there. It's talking about the world in here, inside each one of us, where I try to make life work, make life work on the terms that make sense to me. I'm going to get affection and esteem, and I'm going to change things in a way. You know, we all want to be sort of the captain of our own ship. And this is ultimately what we're talking about is a posture of surrender. Now, as a Western and Americans, we don't like the word surrender. And yet surrender is ultimately actually a pathway to freedom, especially in, as followers of Jesus. We surrender to Jesus ultimately in order to experience his healing and his grace. So, so surrender is the pathway. And this is another way of coming at it. But it's also a way of taking the particulars of our life situation and saying, even in this, perhaps even especially in this, whatever this is, God is at work. And it's, this is it. God's presence and action within is what we're opening ourselves to. So it's a simple little practice. I'm going to invite you to do something with me as I kind of get ready to close. And I've been praying this prayer a lot lately. And I would invite you, if this is interest, if of interest to you or it strikes a chord with you, and you want a copy of it, one, you could actually just Google the welcome prayer and it's on the internet, like a lot of things. But, um, and if you want, I can send you a copy or something like that. But I, I want to invite you to, I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to read it with me. And if you're comfortable reading it out loud, if that's, that's great. If not, that's okay. But I want to invite you to just read it with me, and we're going to read it slowly. 
and, we're, and thoughtfully because I, it, I've, I found this, and here's especially when I found this useful to pray. One, it may be at the beginning of a day, thinking, okay, whatever's coming today, God, I want to welcome it, knowing that even in whatever happens, you are able to use it and be at work in me, especially to do something to continue to shape me to be like Jesus, whatever it is. And so, uh, but also when you do experience something difficult, my wife and I have just like kind of a little shorthand sometimes when things are not, uh, you know, something difficult. We get some news we didn't like or something like that. And we just look at each other sometimes and go, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, so, let me say it with you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. And I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. Why am I able to let go of them in the sense of opening my hand and releasing my grasping after those things? Because God is the giver of those gifts. God is the one who can give me affection, security. He's the source of them. And I don't have to grab for them. I can open my hand and trust. This is the posture. Welcome, God. I welcome with open hands because I trust that you will give me all that I need. God is able to do amazing things. God causes all things to work what? For the good of those who love him. Does it mean bad becomes good? It means that God is good. Does it mean that it's not a difficult thing? It's difficult, but God is able to bring ultimate good. Sometimes in ways we'll understand, sometimes in ways we won't, but we can trust. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Would you pray with me? God, the infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving God. We see how much you love us in sun that shines and in food in front of us and in ability to to live life. Uh, But we see how much you love us most clearly and most directly in your work on the cross, that you would offer your very life and you would offer your love to us and forgiveness and grace to us, not because we deserved it or earned it, not that we clawed our way towards you, but you came to us and you offer yourself. And you are not just punching a ticket for us into heaven, but you are, con- you are most concerned with conforming us increasingly to the, the very likeness of, of Jesus. And so we we want to offer our consent, our participation to say yes to you. Yes. Whatever comes our way today, 
Whatever, whatever we experience from others inside of ourselves, around us, we, we welcome it because we trust that you are at work and able to work no matter what it is because that's how big and good you are. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.